There are many kings in this world. There are kings and queens and princes and princesses and royalty of all kind. Honestly, I don't know specifically how royalty works. I'm sure there is at least one person in this room who could tell me how that all works really well, but but there are others. Some of you are fans of things like the royal family. I, I do know that Prince William will someday be king because he is the son of Charles, who will someday be king because he is the son of Elizabeth. Uh, but, but how that all works, I, I, you know, why it is, I don't know, it's birthright, right? They were born into the right family. Kings are born into the right family or they overcome with a certain amount of power and might and authority. But either way, when it comes to whether it's power and authority or, 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 or whether it's birthright, there is this sort of earthly way of, of, of succeeding into becoming a king. And for you and for me, we were born in a different place at a different time. And so unless there's something I don't know about, there's probably not very many kings or queens in this room. In contrast, though, to all of these kings and kingdoms of the world, there is Jesus. The one who we sing is the King of Kings, who is the Lord of Lords, who is the Prince of Peace. There's Jesus, a different kind of king for a different kind of kingdom. Because God does things differently than than the world does. God does things differently than we do them if left to our own ideas and our own plans and our own devices. Today, in our Gospel reading, we will see just how much, just how profoundly God does things differently. In our Gospel reading today, God defies our expectations by giving us a very different kind of king but the exact king that we really, truly, fully need. Today we celebrate Christ as our king by reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, and we'll read verses 33 through 43. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching. But the leader scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him, saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and save us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? We indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. 
But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have a friend this week who is about nine months pregnant. And in a text conversation, she's a minister as well, we were talking about some preachery things, and I wished her a happy Advent. And my friend, nine months pregnant, said, let's get real here. There was nothing happy about Mary riding that donkey to get registered. (laughs) At least from where I sit. You know, she's probably right. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt for sure. But we do, God does things differently, doesn't he? Next week we begin following the light of Advent. Next week the table will be set with the Advent wreath. Next week we will read prophecies and, 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 and lean towards Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus. And in some ways we're going to read these familiar, beloved stories. And, and they just might be a little bit sanitized and sterilized and sculpted in ways that sound beautiful to us. Like these, some of my favorite words to read all year. And it came to pass that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be taxed. It's poetic. And the emperor wanted to tax everybody. Think about the contrast there. I love reading that passage, but there is nothing poetic about Mary and Joseph journeying from Nazareth to Bethlehem in order to be taxed by Caesar. And so we see from the very, very beginning of Jesus' life that he was going to be a very different kind of king. The enduring truth of Jesus' birth is that our Savior was brought to life in a humble stable, So that everybody could love and embrace him. Everyone from the stable on up. He became a king who started like us or even more lowly than we did. So that he could bring a a power to everyone. Not just certain people. Not just those born into the right family with the right might in the right place, at the right time. There, is nothing, there was nothing easy about how Jesus came into being. But from the beginning, there was a profound reality that this one was going to defy expectations. And our scripture today defies expectations on many, many levels. It does feel odd to read that passage on a cold November morning, doesn't it? That's a spring passage, right? That's a, that's a Good Friday passage. But today, the last Sunday of the, the Christian year, the way that we preachers and worship planners tell time, the last Sunday of this year is, is the Sunday where we say, Christ still is King, and this is how our King got crowned. 
Next week we do turn to the Christ candle and the Advent wreath and to faith, hope, joy, and love. But today we celebrate Christ as a significantly different kind of king than any other earthly king would be. Much different than Charles or William would be. Jesus is a different kind of king. He builds his kingdom in a different way. And the reason this is good news for you and for me is because if perfection were necessary to get into his kingdom, we would fail. If riches were required, none of us, few of us, would have enough money to get in. And if being born in the right place to the right family or knowing the right people was required to get through those pearly gates, a lot of us might be left outside standing next to the velvet robes. The good news today is that Jesus is a different kind of king than every other king and every other kingdom there has ever been. And that is why 2,000 years later, a group of us is gathered here on a Sunday morning when we could be doing any number of other things, proclaiming Christ is king. Now, talking about Christ is king is fitting, but, but, but we must not forget that God was defying the expectations of what a king would be really from the very, very beginning. Now, the people were waiting for a new king like David. Remember, David was the great king. David was the one they were looking for. They were looking for a Davidic king. Because what they had remembered was when David was king, we were powerful. When David was king, we were successful. When David was king, everything was great. But David wasn't a perfect king, was he? He wasn't a perfect person. And frankly, if you, if you remember all of the David story, you remember that David wasn't even the one that they thought would be king in the first place. When you flip to 1 Samuel 16, you see that Samuel has gone to replace Saul, and he's gone to Jesse's house to meet Jesse's boys. Now Saul was a king. Saul was tall, he was strong, he looked the part. Tall, for you guys who are football fans, Saul was the Jeff George of kings. He had the right look, he had the right tools, but he, he couldn't put it all together. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house to meet these boys that Jesse has because God tells him one of these boys is going to be king. And the seven sons walk by, and one by one, they're tall, they're handsome, they're strong, they have the look, and Samuel passes, and he passes, and he passes. Seven of them pass by, seven, that perfect number in the Bible, seven, and he says, is there anyone else? And from out in the field, out in left field for you baseball fans, from out in left field comes this small, ruddy character, Named David. The one who was the shepherd boy. The one who Jesse didn't even think was worth bringing in to show to the prophet. Comes David. And David is the one who is chosen to replace Saul. Who looks the part. Who acts the part. David becomes the 
the ideal king for the Jews. And so by the time we get to the New Testament, they're looking for another David, but they forget that how unlikely it was that David was chosen in the first place. They forget that when they were looking for the ideal king, God chose someone different. And so it helps us to remember that as we look for Christ to be king, we can expect something different. Jesus is a different kind of king than all of the rest. There's many things we can say to confirm this, of course. We consider his birth in the stable as we already have. We consider his humble upbringing as a carpenter in Nazareth. We can look at the way he taught and and what he thought and how he led. But I suppose most of all, we look to his crucifixion and resurrection. For most kings' reign is over when they die. But it's only in death that Jesus' most powerful prominence comes into being. Jesus gets put on the cross by religious leaders with the help of the government or vice versa. And in his death, his his true power is unleashed. Up until his death, though, the people were wanting him to come to power politically, so so to speak. Even right up into the, to the garden, Jesus', Jesus followers were prov- provoking him to say, maybe this is what will allow him to come and take over. Maybe if I cut off this guard's ear, it will start a revolution. Maybe if I betray Jesus for some silver, then he will step up and become powerful. And Jesus does it differently. He defies expectations Because his power is not rooted in an earthly authority. His power is rooted in the fact that three days after his death, he rises again. When God uh, was, was truly creating a new way of being, it was in resurrection. And it was it was a new way of being that's not governed by life on earth, it's not limited by life on earth, it's not tied to political powers. And it doesn't end just because things seem to go awry. Jesus' true power is unleashed by the revelation that all people can come to him through the, through the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is a different kind of kingdom. But in this case, it's exactly what the world needs. It's exactly what God's creation and humanity and all of us truly need even though it's not at all what we expected. Probably the best news of this passage comes also maybe in the most difficult reality. It's the the part that's most stark to me when when I, I read it. But it's the part that reminds us in southern terms, uh, when we say y'all, that means all. Y'all means all. As Jesus is being crucified, there's one on his right and one on his left. One is mocking him and the other one defends Jesus. He asks for mercy. He makes that last second, last ditch, final second, Hail Mary prayer to Jesus when he says, Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. He hadn't read through the Roman road. This thief on the cross didn't know the four spiritual laws. 
Frankly, he didn't even say the sinner's prayer like most of us did. He just said, Jesus, remember me. He said, remember me, let me in. I I believe that you're here wrongly. I believe you're innocent. Let me in. And Jesus did let him in, didn't he? But that's hard for us because, because we're used to barriers. Traveling from one earthly kingdom to another requires a passport. Entry into a special place requires permission. Getting into heaven is the kind of thing most of us think is reserved for those who, who act right, who believe right, who, pl- who pray right, who organize their lives in the right way. And while this is quite often true, Jesus did come for everyone. Jesus defies expectations because all people can get, can get in. They all can call on his name. He's a different kind of king because his kingdom is for everyone and not just for some. His reach can touch everyone, not just a select few. Anyone who calls on his name can be saved, even on their deathbed, even at the last second. Because his king and his kingdom are a different kind of kingdom than, than we expect or than we know. But they're exactly the kind of, it's exactly the kind of kingdom that we need. Because we're not smart enough, we're not holy enough, we're not sinless enough, we're not rich enough, and few of us were born into the right families. But Jesus' kingdom is not governed by such merit or such acquisition. It's only governed by a willingness to be in it. It's a different kind of kingdom because we all can be in it when we ask. Back in the early 1990s, uh, Nike had an ad that that ran in, in some running magazines. It was a beautiful black and white photo of a path in the woods. And below the picture... There was this carefully curated script that said, there are clubs you cannot belong to, there are neighborhoods you cannot live in, there are schools you cannot get into, but the roads are always open. I always liked that. People who run like that kind of a thing. The The roads are always open. They're for everyone. But someday Charles or William or George will be king in England, right? You and I won't be. Few of us will have the chance ever to see them, let alone know them or meet them. Someday a Bush or a Clinton will probably run for president again and we'll probably all roll our eyes, won't we? Because we weren't born into the right political family either. But, but the kingdom we need to be, pre- we need to be present and a part of, is a kingdom that is governed by a different kind of king. It doesn't require a passport. It doesn't demand perfection. It's one that anybody can be a part of. For the kingdom of God is a different kind of kingdom. It's one who chooses unlikely powers, unlikely people to allow God's power to show through. It's a one whose prototype is a, a humble shepherd boy or the son of a carpenter. And it's one that comes to life in as unlikely a situation as a nine-month 
pregnant woman riding a donkey to Bethlehem in order to pay taxes, only to give birth to her son in a stable. But when the story starts there, we see that the story is for everybody. We see that God works in surprising and unlikely ways because God is a different kind of God and God is setting up a different kind of kingdom. But exactly the kind of kingdom that we need. One that lives within our hearts. One that loves us with all that it has. And one that that, that gives us glimpses of eternal life starting now, starting today. Today we proclaim that Christ is king and the way we proclaim Christ is king is by reading the story of his death and that is an unusual thing. But Jesus Christ is a different kind of king. One who loves you no matter what. One who forgives you no matter what. One who longs to be with you and know you and be in your heart. And so consider letting that God and that king into your heart today as we pray. Loving God, there are so many things that we need and so many things that we think we need. But chief among those things is we need your love and we need your presence. We need a relationship with you and we need you in our hearts and in our lives. And so today, Lord, we celebrate you as a king who came to power after his death. A king who came to power beyond death. And Lord, we... We seek glimpses of that power in our hearts and in our lives today. And we want you to be with us today. Lord, help us to let you into our heart, to guide our lives, to free us from the things that that bind us from the sins that keep us down. And free us to your love, to your presence, to your life and to your kingdom, which is here for all to enter into. For whosoever will may come, Lord, we come to be a part of your kingdom today. We come to proclaim the good news of your kingdom today, in this day, for this day, for our hearts and for our lives. Lord, these are our prayers, the ones we offer with our our mouths and the ones we offer from our hearts. We thank you for hearing them. We trust that you hear them. We trust that you are our king today. And it is in your name that we pray these things. Amen.